Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Real Talk with Jody and Dow. My name is Shaman Dow, and my partner for today and our podcast is the most wonderful Jody. Jody, go ahead and introduce yourself to our beautiful audience. My name is Jody Long, and I am the webmaster of the Near Death Experience Research Foundation, NDERF.org. And I also do the After Death Communication Research Foundation, which is adcrf.org. And we have another website, which is the oberf.org, out of body experience research foundation.org. Basically, you take all three of them and they are all different aspects of consciousness. And so that's what I do. That's my job. <laughs> and I also am an attorney, I have licenses in Washington State in Louisiana, in uh, New Mexico, and the Navajo Nation. And so I have a lot of wide variety of experiences. And I'm also an avid reader. I could probably be a historian. So I got all this information and all these things that I like to share with people because that's part of what I feel that older people should do is they should take and give some of that knowledge, because otherwise it's going to be lost. And it, that's really a shame to have that happen when somebody has so much information. So that's one of the reasons I want to do this. And my name is Shaman Dao. I prefer to be called Dao, and I am your no-nonsense shaman. I'm an intergenerational trauma intermediary between the natural and supernatural worlds. Not only have I lived, breathed, experienced, and researched root causes of complex trauma through international modalities, I am also living proof that you could break through generational barriers of trauma to reclaim your truest power. Most people know me as a modern-day exorcist as one of my specialties is spirit releasement therapy through hypnotherapy. But I'd like to consider myself as someone who isn't afraid of the dark or her own shadows anymore. Similar to Jody, I have a wide variety of experience because before I was pushed into my spiritual awakening, I spent over 14 years as a very successful mortgage banker until one fateful dream where I saved a life and now seven years later, here I am known as a modern day exorcist. I'm excited to be here and doing this podcast with you, Jody. I, I get so excited. I'm sorry. I get so excited because to be able to have an opportunity to speak your mind and be able to tell others what is happening and give them information that they would be just as excited about to hear. So thank you for inviting me. This is really a great idea of yours. Thank you. Okay. If I was going to ask somebody one question. I would say, are you happy? Oh my God, that's the same question that I had in my <laughs> mind as you were saying it. Yes, because when you're talking to people, it's not enough to give them information. You have to be able to get them to be motivated and motivated to change or motivated to do something. And in order to do that, you've got to say, what's the number one thing? And I, I don't think you're going to find very many people who are happy. Mm -mm. And even if they are happy, their definition of happy probably doesn't include what is love. You know, they probably have no clue what it is. You know, you can't love a, an iPhone. You can enjoy the conversation from somebody on the other side, but there is no substitute for going up to somebody and hugging them like we did at the IONS conference. Mm -hmm. But I'll share something about the search for pursuit of happiness, really, in regards to the first time I ever 
had that question of what is happiness. I was in Vietnam and I was on a bus. I saw these kids playing outside in dirt and they had no shoes on and they were so happy. And the mom who was washing clothes at the river, she just looked so fulfilled. And as a young 20 something who was making six figures and searching for the answer of what is happiness, it really stopped me in the process of my life at that time, because I thought money was happiness. I grew up as a second immigration immigrant um, with the first generation parents. And we, my parents came from the Vietnam war and we grew up on welfare and, you know, I, I stood in line with blocks, waiting for blocks of cheese and cans of mystery meat. And I made a promise to myself in my teens that if I ever had a family, I would never want them to live this way. And I flipped that belief system into diving headfirst into becoming successful, financially successful. And when I reached the point where I was able to go into the mall and drop a couple thousand dollars on anything I wanted without the repercussion of denting my bank account, I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy. And I thought that that was going to make me happy. And a couple of years later, when I was in Vietnam and I saw those kids just barefoot running around laughing with the mom so fulfilled as she was washing their clothes in this muddy river, I was like, what is truly happiness? That's really been the, the question that I've asked myself this entire time going around the world and meeting all these people from multimillionaires and billionaires to those who could barely scrape by with a hundred Euro or a hundred dollars in their pocket for the month. And I really wanted to see and know what happiness truly was. So thank you for bringing that up because true happiness, really the root, like just absolute abundance of happiness. Does it really exist? You make a lot of really interesting points and my heart really goes out to you. I mean, you're very successful. You're very beautiful. You're very eloquent. And to see that you've come from such a humble past and then to be able to make it in the United States, I I think you sounded like you were still looking for happiness, but it sounded like you were still looking. I I am so fulfilled now more than ever. Okay, I, I feel so blessed every single day and I don't worry about anything. I know I'm provided for. I know that I'm surrounded not only by just really authentic and grounded human beings, but I also know I'm walking my path every single day and I have the most immaculate life that I am so blessed every single day and I give gratitude for. And so it was difficult for me to even express that given the state of the world and how many people are in survival and in turmoil, emotional turmoil now. Many people, when they express or show their wealth, it's perceived all different ways. And so I dealt with a lot of guilt and shame growing up to express or become confident in that nature of, yes, I am absolutely thriving in every aspect of my life. I have no worries while we're in a recession and people are saying that we're going into a depression and we've been in a pandemic and we are up. There's, there's so much happening right now. So no, I know in my heart and soul 
how abundant I am. And it took a long time to get here for sure. So then answer me this then, if you are doing your, your definition, I'm, I'm listening and I'm trying to say, okay, what exactly is it that you're trying to say about happiness? It sounds like it's spiritual, but it also sounds like it's other things. Can you be a little bit more fleshed out about that? I feel happiness flows from within. And so there's, there's a lot of spiritual practices and a lot, even meditation, you go inward to find your truth. And really the aspect of happiness as it's relative to each person, but a true happiness that flows from within that impacts and affects others around you. It comes from living in your absolute being. And the, and I feel the soul wholeness being whole and accepting and acknowledging and loving every aspect of who you are, who you were and who you will be. And as that divine alignment takes place, it is absolute living in your truth. There's a quote that says people who are successful, not on their path or in their absolute highest good are poor. It's something that I always strive for because we could all be successful at something. America is the grandest country that you could literally just put your head down and work and you could make a dollar out of 50 cents, right? Really, you could double your money very quickly if you put your head down and worked. But for me personally, to make money that way, was it in alignment with me? Was it that my truth? Was that going to make me happy? This is literally how I operated for years because I know I could have been very successful. I saw the transition from veganism and I saw the transition in the spirit realms and I saw how trending it was. And I literally sat there in these countries abroad. And I thought to myself, why am I not capitalizing on this? Why am I not doing something to put money in my bank account? But realistically, my job was to really walk my path with absolute detachment from everything outside of me to know exactly who I am, what I could do and how I could serve and then learn everything about me to come back to teach how I got to the soul wholeness and the fulfillment of self to teach others because I am a child of two complex PTSD survivors and happiness for complex trauma survivors and complex PTSD survivors, really even very difficult. And it's a lifelong journey because the complexity and the compounding of these traumatic events, talking about abuse, emotional, mental, physical, and sexual abuse. If you've had any type of these types of abuses and multiple repeats of it, especially in your developmental stages before the age of three and four, it's very difficult to thrive in the world today emotionally if one does not take a look inside and then at their environment. Did that answer your question? Yes, actually. (laughs) What I was trying to do was I was trying to bring you out because you have such a richness and complexity to you that for listeners, they might want to know, who is Dow? Why is she talking to me? And I think starting off with happiness is really one of the best things you can do because it provides kind of like a door to a person. And, you know, as you're sitting there and you're talking about walking your truth and being your truth and learning your truth and realizing that you are happy, 
I'm sitting here and my heart is just going, ah, I'm so glad to be hearing these things. These are the things that connect with me. And so to be able to hear them coming from you in your own words, I was just like, going, ah, now see, that is what we're missing in our general society because you don't normally hear stuff like that. Are you happy? (laughs) (laughs) As a matter of fact, I am very happy. By now, I think it's really time to teach because you go through so many different aspects of life and I'm a grandma. And so I've been through a lot of that family stuff and then going through the law practice, being in family law and criminal law and working with so many different people and then walking in the the spiritual path with the NDEs and learning about that and learning how to talk with people. I mean, one of the first things I decided I was going to do, I said, first thing is, I really think that we need peace in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the first things I did when I joined Ender, probably about NDERF, Near-Death Experience Research Foundation, probably about 20 years ago. I said, this is what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to bring this peace and this happiness and this sense of calm and security, I'm going to pass it to these people in the Middle East. And you know what? I work with a lot of people from the Middle East. Yes, I can't speak Arabic, <laughs> but you know, such is life. It's never too late, Jody. It's never too late. Well, what I've been doing is I use the Google Translator a lot. Usually, if I'm working with translators, they're good enough that they can speak with me, at least by writing. I've never actually tried to talk with one of them one-on-one. Oh, yeah, I have. One-on-one, I went to Marseille. They had the first near-death experience conference. It was a European conference. And you want to talk about being humbled. It is the translators who actually rule the world. Or <laughs> if they don't, they should. <laughs> because you're sitting there, and, and there's, there, it's, it's so totally crazy. You can't speak a word. You feel like you have devolved to being a two-year-old. You point and you grunt at stuff, you know, just like a two-year-old. <laughs> and, and, and so I'm trying very hard to understand these people. And, you know, they tried very hard to understand me, but it never actually totally worked until you got a translator to talk with. I feel you on that with different <laughs> languages. I forgot the name of it, but you can speak to someone without speaking their language, but it's by body body language. And I've traveled around the world and I would speak to certain persons without knowing their language, but they would understand me and I would understand them. It's a very beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. It, it really is when you're finally able to do that, but it does help if you have somebody that speaks the language. Definitely. <laughs> Google <laughs> Translator really cuts, cuts a lot of those corners. And so I met Jody. We met less than two months ago. Can you, be- can you believe that, Jody? I mean, I feel like I've known you all my life. It is so wild. It's so wild. But I also feel that because we are very similar in how we operate, not only what we've done with our lives, but how we exist in the world and our future visions of how we would want to see the world. This is why we align so well. Jody was speaking at the IONS conference and the IONS conference is, what does it stand for? International Association for Near-Death Studies. Okay. So International Association for Near-Death Studies. And Jody was speaking in one of the rooms and it was my first IONS conference and I was moseying around and I got pulled, spirit pulled me into 
the main ballroom. And I would usually in these talks, I would be sitting in the back of these rooms. But for Jody's speech and talk and presentation, I sat in front and I opened up my notebook and I was ready to take notes. And Jody said a word that many people don't talk about. And she was talking about biolocation. And I was like, I need to speak to this woman afterwards. I want to introduce myself. And <laughs> after Jody's presentation, I went up, I shook my hand and I'm like, I loved everything about your presentation. I understand by location, you speak my language. And then Jody asked me for my number. And then it, we spent what, two and a half days out of the three days or four days of the conference hanging out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just talking and, and picking each other's brains. I really didn't know what exactly a shaman did. I mean, I, I had heard things and I kind of what everybody else does. You hear things, but you actually don't know. Yes, they may show you one face, but they don't show you the internal spiritual work that they're working on or the fact that they can go out of body to actually work on a person, you know, or go to a different realm to work on the person. And I, I was just curious. So I said, okay, well, here's my second shaman. I want to meet her. <laughs> I want to know more about it. <laughs> and the thing about Jody, everyone, is she asks a lot of questions because she's a researcher. And she, and analytical brain, the whole nine yards, but she's also a very, very, very clear channel. And Jody sat and she picked my brain and she asked me all these questions. And I was really appreciative of that because usually people ask me questions about themselves. And Jody was so curious about me. She started asking all these questions about myself and what I did and how I did it. And because of that, she allowed me to answer questions about my procedure and processes of how I did my work, even though I don't have a manual on that. And shamans, we don't have manuals on that. We we learn either from a mentor or we just learn straight from spirit and we and spirit guides us until we remember exactly everything that we came into this world with. And so that's how we ended up meeting. And it was really interesting. The only reason I was at the conference was because of the Bigelow's essay. I've never heard of IONS. I've never heard of any of these associations. And last year in 2021, Robert Bigelow put out a consciousness contest, a $1 million consciousness contest for an essay to prove the best evidence of survival for human consciousness. I applied, I applied and 1500 applications went in around the world and only 204 or 205 were approved to submit their final essay. And I was one of the 204 or 205, I think it was 204, right, Jody? I didn't know. I know it was a very, very small amount. Yeah, it was a small (laughs) amount. Yeah. And that's how I ended up coming back to America from being abroad in Europe. And I I said, you know, why not? Why not go to this conference? I haven't been to a conference in a long time. So that was that. And I was there and I just allowed myself to flow wherever the alignment took me. And myself and Jody aligned and we aligned with others, another group of psychic mediums, very strong psychic mediums who were also finalists in the consciousness contest. I don't know if there were many 
in the conscious like the finalists there at the conference? I, I ran into several and most of them happened to be uh, mediums, which I was really surprised at. I said, well, this is a near death experience event. They also have started allowing things like spiritually transformative events or experiences kind of like uh, allowing different types of experiences. And it used to be that it was just near death experience. But I, I think that it's much more interesting when you have so many different types of experiences. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty cool. And then I didn't even know after me and Jody and another Jody's colleagues, we were walking the street and I was talking to her about the same, <laughs> same topic. And I said, wow, I don't know if there's many. And she's like, I'm one, I'm, I'm one of the, I, we won, we won the, uh, the contest. Um, so there was, I think it was like 20, 29 winners of the contest. So last year, the prize money originally was 1 million, and then Robert Bigelow bumped it up to 1.9 million. Originally, there were supposed to be three winners, and then at the end, after the essays were submitted, so Jody was like, I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm like, what? We've been hanging out for two days together. And, um, and it was really cool. And I was like, that's really, that's really cool, because Jody... Jody won one of the prizes. Jody and her husband won one oh, of the prizes. Yeah, basically under his name, but I helped him. So, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the silent partner. <laughs> <laughs> the silent but deadly partner. The silent ones are usually the ones in charge. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's how me and Jody met in September, the first weekend of September, less than two months ago. And here we are. And, and I, I mentioned this idea about the podcast. Yeah. And strangely enough, it just felt like it was right felt like, yeah, this is really a good thing because you've got so much diversity of background. I do too, but in a different way. And you put the two together and I'm hoping that this will be a really good thing. And people will say, oh, well, that's kind of fun to watch. I'm hoping because there's so much, you know, with the way the world is right now and the way people get their information, there's many things that they haven't been taught. And as an attorney, knowing how to discern information, that's like kind of your whole world. And you use it for everything. And most people are only seeing, you know, like a very small slice of their world. And it's like, you'd be a lot happier if you knew what you were looking at. I mean, seriously, if, if you can enjoy and appreciate the different viewpoints and the different ideas that people have, it's truly phenomenal. And it's all over the world, you know, and instead of this little tiny thing and on this little tiny phone, and then you get stuck with COVID and restrictions, and then you got to... S- I mean, we have so many people that big disservice has been done to them because they've gone backwards in time as far as with their education, their being able to read, write, arithmetic. None of that seems to matter anymore. And I got to tell you, it bothers me because what I'm seeing is a whole nation of upcoming slaves. Because if you can't discern things and you cannot speak your truth, somebody will speak it for you and it's Mm. not going to be what you want. That's the way I look at it. And so you got to speak it or you lose it. Once again, you speak my language a couple of years. I don't even know how long it was. And I was watching those who take the information given to them as truth and we're fed fake food, fake news, fake friends, and it's everything. And as I lived abroad, I would fly back to the States once or twice a year. Usually it was twice a year. And I would visit family and I would eat the food and the food in itself, you can taste the difference and the audacity of how in America there are foods 
and drinks and everything, beverages banned in other countries and here in America, and it's a free for all and it's on the shelves and the, uh, the sugar, the corn syrup, the high fructose corn, it is, it's banned in Europe. Here we are, this powerhouse of a country eating really, really, really hor- like horrible, just I don't even, it, it, it makes me angry and speechless at the same time, Jody. <laughs> and, and I would come back and, and eat. And I would go back to when I was living in Italy and I would, I would just eat the most mundane, simple ingredients, but, oh, you can smell the strawberries in the air and the freshness of them. And you come here to America and in you could have strawberries sit there for days and they wouldn't even molt or get mold. (laughs) (laughs) Now more than ever, the world needs those very strong in their background and experience to speak out, to speak truth. I have felt for myself that I've been prepping myself for this moment. Well, you've really got no choice. The way that I look at it is we have so many things happening in the world that if somebody doesn't step up, that's the only way you can help the situation is you step up, you know, because there there's things that we can do, even if there's many things we can't do, you know, like for instance, ions, when we went to that meeting, hugs, you know, hugs. And, and it, it's such a simple thing, but just giving someone a hug makes, makes so much different, but you know, people are so freaking paranoid. Oh, they're going to give me COVID, you know? And it's like, come on guys, it's a hug, (laughs) you know, wash your hands afterwards. You know, you don't have to breathe. You don't have to, don't have to slobber on them, you know, give them a hug. (laughs) Well, it it goes back to fear really. So it's, it's, it's the fear aspect and look at our society. Our society is, is, is created upon fear. Like, you know, and then we're not even talking about the religious trauma of like those grown up in, uh, you know, homes of just absolute guilt and based upon fear. And I feel that within the homes, within the communities, within these societies and the States and the culture, and then the country, it really starts within the home when it, when we talk about, the fear aspect of, for example, how the parents raise their children and how the parents are influenced by the community and society, and then how it's controlled by, for example, like the the systems at large and at B. And I, I was just telling my sister the other day, because I was watching a series, it was a group of people who manipulated one person. I, and it was, it was, a, it was a series. It was, it was a fictional series, but could be based upon nonfiction. And it took like three people to infiltrate this person's life from their friend or someone like, you know, their coworker and things like that, and to manipulate them into believing their lives a certain way. That's three people in one person, but imagine, you know, not imagine, look at the government, right. And the systems and even, you know, down to the food, you know, the, the environment in itself that compounds outside of the home. And then we have the generationals and behaviorisms and patterns of fear within the home. It's a lot. It's a lot of fear. If you think about it though, I always look at fear as probably a lot of people will talk about 
the opposite of love being contempt, Mm. or they'll say it's hate. I actually think it is fear because if people cannot get in touch with their inner love, and if they're always afraid of things, they're either going to make the wrong decision for themselves. They're never going to come out of themselves so that they can start being a spiritual being. They will always be, it's okay to be a follower. But the thing is, you still have to have some ideas of your own, of a person's own. They have to have their own ideas, even if they want to agree with the whole group. But this being silent and not being heard at all, because you might go against what the general prevailing group think is, to me, that's really scary. And that goes back to that fear thing. I mean, if you think about fear, you can totally interfere with a person's free will. You can interfere with a person's rational thought. There are so many things that fear does. See, I always look at it as being like a a, a duality. And so there's always like the, the human side of us, and then there's the spiritual side of us. The human side is really totally ruled by fear. And the only way that we will ever become rational beings is to overcome this fear. And you overcome it by hooking into your spiritual side, that love, the rational. You always stay on that part of your personality because if you stay ruled in the emotions, especially the emotions of fear, anger, we never ever will become more than what we are now. I mean, you're always stuck in a crabs in a box. Crabs in a box means that if you put a bunch of those little sand crabs and you put them in a box, what's the first thing they do? One crab starts getting up and then somebody reaches over and grabs them and pulls them down. And so they will never, ever get outside of that box because they're always being pulled down. They need to do something a little bit different. (laughs) And so that's my crabs in the box analogy. And this is why you and I align because you see the duality of the human existence and the spiritual aspect. And a lot of people live in one or the other. It's either or, but it's actually and. And is a powerful word. It's and. It's spiritual and it's a human existence. A lot of people, they go to one end of the spectrum of the spiritual spectrum to one side because they don't like existing in the human side. And then the people in the spirit go all the way into the human. And the balance is to love and exist coherently in this body, on this plane, knowing you're a spiritual being living this human existence and embodying both and enjoying your life as you impact or walk this plane. Some people want to impact, some people don't. It's all different. And going back into the happiness factor, to be truly happy. I feel a lot of people are not truly happy on this plane because a lot of people don't feel safe in their bodies. A lot of people don't feel safe in their countries and their homes or whatever it may be. The opposite of fear is actually love. And that's what we'll talk about in one of our upcoming episodes, Mm -hmm. because I have so much information on love. If you look at the near-death experiences, what do you see? They, these are people who have died They go over to the other side. They have an experience. Most of the time, it's a heavenly experience. And then they come back to their body to tell us about it. Now, when they do that, they will typically talk about love. You'll notice that when they're talking about love, it has to do with God. Sometimes it has to do with Jesus. It has to do with peace, calm, happiness, and light. 
Those are the things that people talk about when they talk about love. And so that gives you a little bit of a flavor. Love is not just, you know, it's not just about sex. It's not just about lust. It's not just about raising your children and feeling that love, although that can be a, a component of it. Love is so much more because when you look at what love really is, it's fascinating. And that is why we should be attracting ourselves to love. That's why we should be doing everything we can to be able to bring that love into our life because that is who we are. And so the more authentic that we are with our soul, our love, our truth, our spirit, all these things, the more authentic we are in this spiritual body, we will have that happiness. We'll have it all. And so that's one of the things that I really do want to spend some time talking about. Oh, we'll do a whole episode on love <laughs> and what love is means to you and to myself and our perceptions of it. Jody's websites have over how many stories around the world of oh. near-death experiences? How many total? Oh, we've got over 5,000 experiences on one website. That's the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. We also have the After-Death Communication Research Foundation. That one's got probably about 2,600. And then we have an Out-of-Body Experience Research Foundation, which is everything that is not a near-death experience or an after-death communication. And when you put all of them together, I would say altogether, we have probably had a total of, oh gosh, maybe about 18,000 experiences. Amazing. I would say maybe about 4,000 of them are probably near-death experiences. See, I've got them all posted on one website because I wanted to kind of broaden everybody's palettes you know, so that they could say, oh, well, you know, life is not just about an NDE or it's not just a spirituality, uh, a mysticism experience. There are other things out there that happen by location. <laughs> you know, there's there's so many other types of experiences that we can experience while we're in this body and on this earthly plane that just put a few out there so people would be able to say, oh, that happens, huh? And it doesn't have to be a near-death experience to get in contact with your spiritual self. And I also feel that that's where the word and comes into play also, because it's not just this or that and the fitting of one or the other it's, and, and it's all, it's all valid in every, every aspect of everyone's experience is valid from a human experience to a spiritual experience. And it's so powerful. The moment of realization of integration of both. It's, it's so beautiful. This existence is actually a beautiful existence if we make the choice, really make the choice to live it. And going back into choices and things like that, granted, we have so much turmoil and there's so much, I would say, darkness on this earth plane that many people choose not to see it for what it is, but there's so much happening out there. Oh God, we can go into like a, the, is there a God, a suffering and things like that, but that's for another episode for sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think that there's a lot of things that people don't really understand and just having the knowledge and being able to talk about it, even in this world, you find that the peasants, you know, back in the 1400s, 1500s, the peasants, it was all a physical existence. 
But now we're finding that we are all living in a mental existence. And because of that, that is one of the reasons why you have to know the difference between discernment. Because the war that we're going through is actually a mental war. It, it's an information war. And so you're like going, okay, is this true? Is this not true? And if you don't ask the question, you're never gonna know. You'll always be listening to the same thing and they'll have their own little person who's, they'll have their own little worker bee, <laughs> you know, their drone, you know, like a, like a bee or an ant, you know, they'll have their own little worker and that's the end of life for that worker. They just work, you know, and I'm like, I know there's a lot more to earth than that. I have so many. <laughs> I have so many questions when it comes to um, divine, like soul contracts, and and it, you know, some oh. workers and things like that. But we'll we'll talk about that in another episode. Mm-hmm.